looking. Deep pattern. Downfield. Touchdown, Miami. What a throw. Devontae Parker. Holy smokes. What a drive. What is up, Dolphins? And welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the pads came back on and the defense showed its stuff. We'll break down all the action from a run-heavy padded practice with the depth of the defensive line showing out, the linebackers flying all over the field, some offensive line and running back talk, and much more, including your Twitter questions, Audio from Albert Wilson, Benardrick McKinney, and Jerome Baker. Top performers, matchup of the day. All of that and much, much more from the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. This is the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And we kick it off with the latest roster news from your Miami Dolphins as we keep you up to date on this 90-man roster. Devontae Parker was out there today but did not work. The same was true of Jalen Phillips. And one day after exiting the field with trainers, Savon Ahmed was back on the practice field, albeit in a red non-contact jersey, but that obviously is a terrific sign. Andrew Van Ginkle exited practice on Tuesday with trainers. We'll monitor that and get you updates as we have them. And the Dolphins also announced on Monday the release of DJ Fluker off the injured reserve with an injury settlement. The team also added another tight end in Gabe Holmes. And in fact, on the first period, he was working with the Sinet-led offense, Reed Sinet, and opened up a huge lane on a Jared Dokes run. Kyle Krabs, who's here at practice the next two days, and I were talking about him before the play, and we look at each other and just say, hey, welcome to Miami, Gabe. Kind of a cool moment. So we get out there, and you know the drill. Christian Wilkins comes out first, Shaquem Griffin out there shortly after, and the guys go to work on the pads and the bags, just popping those things. There was a different sound today with the pads on, and you could tell it was going to be a physical practice from that moment, from the outset. And one thing I really liked about that opening period was the drill where the defensive line would push the sled up to its max height, lock out their arms, and then other players at the position group would take some pads they used to go up and block against a pass rush against and push on the player's side to kind of simulate staying on balance through contact on double teams. And watching Christian Wilkins do this, you know, looked not of this world. First, he's fully extended with his base planted and the arms all the way locked out. And then the hits on him are just not moving him. And there's a great snapshot of the underrated value, in my opinion, of what he does that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. The job to stay engaged on those blocks so they can't climb to the second level. I mean, when you double team, you definitely don't want to keep two bodies on one guy because that takes away your numbers advantage the offense might have. And that's the entire point of the running game, to get a favorable box count and attack the mismatch. But Christian doesn't give an inch in this area and creates chances for the backers behind him. And we saw that throughout the course of today's practice. We also saw the defense just swarm to the football. They played fast, physical, and the depth of the group was apparent on this day. We've covered this in the podcast all spring and summer, really. But I mean, you're six, seven, even eight deep up front. You've got a wave of edge rushers. You've got good interior linebackers that can be three down guys. And then, of course, on the back end, I don't know, some combination of like 12 proven vets with young guys that have tons of upside and potential and high draft status. Though the DBs didn't factor into this particular portion quite as much, you get the idea. And I pulled up my tweet from last month 
ahead of the interior defensive line positional preview up on MiamiDolphins.com as well as here on the Drive Time podcast, where I noted that from week 10 on last year from Pro Football Focus, Wilkins, Sealer, and Davis all finished with top 20 grades at the IDL position. And they were the NFL's top trio in terms of total pressures and run stops in that department because, well, not many teams have three guys that continuously tick the stat sheet in those two departments. And then what? You add Adam Butler, and I'm not interested in ranking these four guys because I think you could make a case for each of them as being, you know, the quote unquote best one out there. And that includes Butler, which just says so much about the depth and how all four of those guys could really be really one through four on the old depth chart there. And then at linebacker, Bernardrick McKinney comes in, and that was maybe the best individual day of any player through six days I've seen out here so far. And that should come as no surprise. He was an absolute monster against the run and a blitzer in Houston during his Pro Bowl run there, and even in coverage too, a true three-down backer. I want to play some audio here from Bernardrick because he was excellent with us after practice, just talking about returning from the injury, getting the pads back on, how he had to dial in because he says, you know what, we'll go to the audio here first. But first, I want to start with his response to my question when I just straight up said to him, you know, you were in the backfield a lot today, and that doesn't happen by accident, obviously. What is it about this defense that allows you to play so fast being just one week into training camp with your new team? Here's BMAC. Uh, it has a lot to do with Jerome uh, helping me out with the defense. Uh, guys like E-Rob helping me out. Uh, Coach uh, Camp helping me out. Um, the whole whole linebacker room, to be honest, we uh, we talk a lot in the linebacker room, and uh, they help me out. Every every guy's helping each other uh, out with the defense, and um, I'm getting it. I'm, I'm starting to get it, uh, but it's, 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 a, it's a long way before the season starts, and uh, I'm just taking it one day at a time to try to uh, get to know the ins and outs. Man, if that was him just getting to start to know the defense, then I can't wait to see where he is a month or two or even four from now. And Jerome Baker touched on that too. I asked him about the camaraderie we saw during that goal line drill to end the practice that I'm sure you guys have read about, the tweets, the stories, the articles, and what's, and so forth. And I didn't tell you guys I couldn't wait for two things, goal line and one-on-ones, and we got both those today. So in goal line, the defense continued the theme of the day. They got after the offense pretty good. They were stacking up runs, defeating blocks, arriving with big collisions. Man, it was a lot of fun out there. And I want to make this quick note because I think it's very important, and I think it's a bit lost on the narrative I've seen kind of develop on Twitter, I suppose, as I scrolled through while eating my cheese ravioli and grilled cilantro shrimp here. What a delicious meal the Miami Dolphins cooked up today and every day, really. But absolute compliments to the chef on that. It's it's fantastic food they give us here. But the run-to-pass ratio, to kind of dispel the narrative, the run-to-pass ratio in this practice was probably close to 10 to 1, and that might even be generous. A couple of the team periods were exclusively run. It's a run install. Remember what coach told us about fundamentals and technique? You have to get that part down before you can start going to play pass or bootleg or whatever kind of action you want to do to make the defense consider the other areas of conflict besides just playing downhill and flowing to the football on the running plays. In fact, the one play action pass in the goal line period presented Carson Meyer wide open in the back of the end zone, completely left alone for a room service touchdown from Jacoby Brissett. So take that for what it's worth. So the defense won a lot, but let's just please maintain perspective here. It's akin to judging the results of those OTA practices back in May and June. Like, does anybody remember that? Because it doesn't matter anymore. Results aren't the end-all be-all this time of year. It's putting the guys in position to foster growth and improvement 
And I think we saw step one of that today as far as the run game is concerned, the physicality of the game here in training camp. And go for the defense to get to tee off a bit after the offense was you know, dropping in these deep passes, these deep passes throughout the first five days of practice and at times with little resistance. And so this practice would kind of flip the script and a reporter actually asked Baker after practice if it was a bit of redemption for the defense for the big plays the offense scored throughout the first five days of practice. And Jerome said he doesn't know about redemption, but he did say that it felt good to get the physical aspect of the game back. I also asked him about the energy and what that meant to him in that final period as the defense in that goal line period. Because if you've ever been to a practice when it's full team period and just one field of work, like they're not working both fields, the offense goes to one sideline and the defense to the other. But in this period, the defense went to the end line under the goalpost and there was all kinds of chirping and hooting and hollering just like it should be because football is fun, right? And that's what Jerome said. And just give you a heads up here. When he starts this answer by saying amazing, he got a massive smile across his face. Here's Jerome. Amazing. It was fun. It's just one of those periods, you know, it's live and you can really play ball and uh, you can just let it loose and really, you know, show what you got. Uh, And I just love the energy of, you know, we was hyped with the ones and we was hyped with the twos. And uh, we carried that same energy. Uh, We made some mistakes, but at the end of the day, you know, we're just getting better. And that's what it's really about. I had mentioned a soundbite from Jerome talking about BMAC earlier in the podcast. Let's go ahead and hear from Jerome before we get to Bernardrick and the rest of his interview. But first, let's hear from Jerome on BMAC. Oh, that's amazing. He's a big dude. Um, he's willing to learn. He goes hard. Uh, you know, he, he communicates. That's, that's the one thing he does. When he doesn't know something, he acts. Uh, he try to get better. Um, you know, right now, is you know, you can get chemistry. But the real chemistry is in the game. We really see, you know, when the, the bullets are flying, who really with you. So, uh, you know, we're just getting better every day. And, you know, I definitely love having him next to me. And like I said, I want to go ahead and just play some more of McKinney's press almost in the entirety because it was just so good. Let's go ahead and start with him talking about getting shoulder pads back on. As if you might recall, the injury he had last year with Houston was, in fact, a shoulder injury. Here's BMAC. Uh, it's a great, uh, great relief. Uh, day one, uh, having had shoulder pads on in a long time um, but I had no doubt in my shoulder um, it's feeling really great it was a great successful practice for me um, and I feel good about my shoulder and how I practice and just trying to help the team and do whatever it takes to make the defense better and then he talked a little bit about live tackling in the period of live tackling or a whole practice of it I should say here's BMAC once again on live tackling uh, I love I love those moments uh, to me personally I love going live anyway because that's my that's my strong suit, uh, just coming down here. But it's great just uh, guys cheering guys on, uh, getting the chemistry of the team. Everybody is the one accord, everybody having fun, making plays. It was a great experience, and um, ready to see more of it. And now BMAC repays the compliment to Jerome Baker, asked about playing alongside number 55. Oh, it's, 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 it's very fun, man. He's, he's a great leader. Um, uh, he's been helping me out with the defense a lot. Um, He's a great guy to be around, a great guy on the field, a very athletic guy. Uh, Just seeing him run sideline to sideline is is very interesting. Uh, Just seeing him make plays is very fun. And now we hear from BMAC talking about the goal of linebackers in this defense. thought this was very insightful. Uh, Just uh, no one-for-ones, just getting off blocks. I mean, um, we know what we have to do as linebackers. We can't. Uh, try to settle for uh, one-on-one blocks. We got to defeat blocks. We got to be able to get off blocks. We got to be able to make plays. And he he always emphasized that. And we've been taking it to the heart uh, every day, just trying to get off blocks and uh, 
uh, help the D-line get free, just like they're trying to help us get free. So we're trying to work together as, as a whole defense. And then we finish up here with BMAC for a question about the mental aspect of the game and getting pads back on for the first time since that injury last October. Today for me was about just uh, me not being able to play uh, football you know, uh, since I got hurt. Um, meant a lot for me stepping on the field, being able to play again, uh, and being able to uh, tackle and, and be physical to God that I'm that I am and have no worries uh, meant a lot for me today. You know what I'm saying? So it, it was a great day for me. I felt comfortable. There's a lot of stuff I got to work on um, uh, individually uh, from the scheme and uh, just me being a lot inside linebacker here. So I'm just going to uh, work on that and just take it one step at a time. And that's a presence that I think is somewhat intangible. How to harness your emotions and focus on assignments and fundamentals, et cetera, et cetera. I absolutely effing loved that quote. And this is where we jump into the matchup of the day. The matchup of the day. A bit of a detour from our normal schedule, but I think it fits here because the matchup of the day is Benardrick McKinney and Eric Studisville, the Dolphins' co-offensive coordinator and run game coordinator. Now, I put Coach E in here because I can't say all the backs in the entire offensive line. So we'll go with Coach, who saw his backs spring a couple of runs, get to the edge a few times. We even saw Tua get out wide on a quarterback sweep, and man, he looked fast getting out to the edge. He won a foot race to the corner with the Dolphins' defense. Now, normally Jerome is out there winning those foot races, and as you heard BMAC say, his sideline to sideline capability sure is fun to watch, and us too, BMAC, us too. But McKinney's inside presence was hard to miss. He was everywhere out there. I talked about this back in March when he was acquired via that trade with the Texans, how you would often see him see him barking out signals, moving guys around, making sure the defense had their alignment and assignment. And then he'd pull the trigger off of a key or some tip that he had pre-snap and take himself right to the action. And he did that all day today in practice. He was awesome. And that at doing that as well as deconstructing blocks when he had to. You heard him talk about defeating blocks there in the defense, and he certainly can do that in spades. Let's go down the notebook here real quick. McKinney flies in for a hit on the back in the backfield I wrote. Then later, McKinney is having none of the run game right now as he scrapes off the edge. And when you hear scraping, that's when a defensive tackle or a player in front of you is locked up and engaged in a block, and you play right off that outside shoulder and shorten the the area and condense that gap to force the running back to have no room to squeeze through for daylight. He was doing it through the A-gap all the way out to the edge, just firing on all cylinders. And then McKinney again for a TFL. I wrote defense getting after it and the symbiotic relationship as you heard him talk about there between the backers and the defensive linemen really seemed to be clicking early here on day one of training camp. And Adam Butler actually told us after practice that he considers this day one when the pads do come on. So something to note there. Later on in practice, McKinney had one of those truck stick type of hits where and Nick Needham was on the hit too, where he blows it up and kind of slowly walks away back to the huddle with a two-arm flex like, yeah, I just did that. Let's go ahead and continue the segment and mention some of the work from the running backs. Malcolm Brown had a couple of nice plays, including one rip through the line where he busted through a seam on the offensive line and got into the second level and into the third level, but there was a flag thrown for holding, so that one comes back, but he looked good on that run. He also pulled in a one-handed catch on a ball in the flat from Brissett where it kind of got away from his frame. He reaches out, pulls it back, and stabs it, and it was one of the 50s in coverage, either BMAC or or Baker. I couldn't see who it was, but that's a good guy to get out there in coverage on or to, to beat in the passing game for Malcolm Brown. Then, Jordan Scarlett, he took a hit from Calvin Munson in the uh, head up 
or in the goal line drills rather, going head on. He absorbs it and fights forward to get across the goal line for six. A hell of an effort from Jordan Scarlett on that play. And then Miles Gaskin, he's fun to watch, man. The way he constantly changes the angles on pursuits and the good balance he has and really looks to have improved his ability to absorb contact in the hole and to get to that second level, break those tackles and maybe turn, you know, eight yard runs into 30 plus yard runs potentially if he can add that ability to his skill set. Later, I noted Gaskin getting outside on a run where he pressed the edge and cut off the butt of Austin Jackson who cleared a lane. So the vision, the the urgency of the hole, all that stuff is there for Miles Gaskin. My last note on him was just the workman-like attitude that he does in everything that he does. He ran through a special teams drill that got a lot of praise from Coach Crossman after his work on that rep. So Gaskin, pass game, run game, pass pro, special teams, does a little bit of everything. And Jared Dokes had a nice run today, a decisive run where he got to the hole fast and got through a skinny gap, made himself skinny, and burst through that thing before lowering the boom in the second level. You can see the way he runs behind those pads with power, certainly going to provide some value there for the Miami Dolphins. All right, we're going to come back to the defensive line and offensive line. Let's go ahead and venture out wide and get some of the one-on-one notes from the individual periods. In fact, there are three more matchups I want to go ahead and highlight here because I got a peek at the one-on-one drills over there. First up, Jakeem Grant versus Nick Needham. They had a couple of battles out there. And on one, Grant got to the back corner of the end zone where he went up and made a play. And Man, he, he creates some space, but also the ups this guy has to go ahead and get up and jump. I, I bet you he can dunk a basketball because he can really get off the ground. And then later, Nick Needham had a, a rep where Grant created some separation, but Needham had good recovery to knife back under the route and break up the pass down in those goal line drills. Eric Rowe versus the rookie Hunter Long, Vet versus the Rook. Rowe got him once where Long couldn't come off the contact, but later, a later rep in the same period, Long came back and just pushed his way through the contact. Like I watched that thing thinking, are they ever going to separate? And almost like he invited the contact offensively, then got to the separation to make the catch on Eric Rowe, and a flag came in on the play for the defensive holding too. So love watching that physical battle there with those two guys. And Rowe competing with tight ends. I mean, this guy was a cornerback a couple of years ago who beefed up and got inside and really matches the physicality inside. Finally, Albert Wilson and Justin Coleman. Coleman had fantastic coverage on Burt on a corner route from Tua, but the ball was just perfectly layered, nicely over his outstretched arm. And with Burt having only a small window to work with, he showed nice concentration to haul it in and keep his feet in bounds. Coleman got a win later as well by breaking up a pass by really working with Wilson on the back line and kind of playing underneath his man and being able to go inside, outside, two-way go. Some of those slot strengths you see there from Justin Coleman. He's been fun to watch, having real good coverage and multiple reps on multiple guys. And this isn't part of the battles, but Jalen Waddle ran the smoothest route I've seen out here all week in this particular period. He puts a little move at the top of the route and completely turned the defensive back around. He also put a move in open space on the pursuit tackle drill that had fans going bananas in the stands. Just a bunch of shake and wiggle for his game. And this was one play after Jakeem had a juke that drew oohs and ahs from the fans. And then Malcolm Perry, a few plays later, did the same thing. He always shines in that drill. He made two guys miss with one move as well. Lots of fun battles today. So I mentioned Tua there. And there wasn't a lot to really critique for the quarterbacks in this practice outside of ball handling and mic points and that sort of thing in the running game. But without knowing those calls or the task, there's no point to even talk about it. So we won't. He did, however, have some early throwing work in non-team periods. My favorite part of the day was Tua 
coming from the far field over by the the indoor facility, coming to the near field by the grandstands, and stopping to dap up one the one and only goat in Dan Marino, who was there at practice today. And he gave Tua some encouragement and some words before that period. Tua then springs in the step and goes into the huddle and completes three out of four in the period and had a really nice lofting corner route to Robert Foster at the back pylon, who continues to have a really good camp, Robert Foster does. This was the same three-on-three drill where it's it's two receivers or tight ends and the combination might be whatever you, you make of it as well as a running back in that combination so it could be one back one tight end one receiver or whatever else versus three defensive backs slash linebackers and of course the QB too so three-on-three with the all-time quarterback we'll call it but Tua and Hearns found a nice connection in this drill a couple of tight window throws and catches more on Hearns later I know the defense might become might be coming privy to the route combinations in this drill because there were a lot of of incomplete passes in this period and Gerald Alexander and Charles Burks were sure as hell loving it Byron Jones had a really nice rep on Robert Foster where he ran him to the end line and then eventually out of the back of the end zone and Tua had to just eat the pass because nobody was open which in this drill is very rare but today the DBs were getting after it and I just really enjoy watching Byron's awareness and situational football like knowing where the perimeter is knowing where your help is knowing how to play outside shoulder whatever it might be he just is so technically sound that way And then Jamal Perry made the same play he's made. This is the third day in a row now where he's driven on the flat route to the running back from the quarterback throwing kind of angling sideways to that front pylon. He drove, got a pass breakup. He picked it off on Saturday. He dropped the pick yesterday, or Monday rather, and then Tuesday, today, I'm getting my days mixed up, today he had a similar play where he just forced the incompletion by getting his hand there as well. So Lastly, on defense, you know, I mentioned Justin Coleman having a really nice camp, and the way I've I've kind of compartmentalized what I've I've liked with his game is the way he operates in condensed areas, playing with a savvy physicality to know how to reroute and challenge routes, and that really can help you with those short areas and the two way goes, and he does it without without doing it in a way where you're going to get flagged by kind of grabbing or pulling, or you see the jersey come out apart or the 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 chest plate or the back of the collarbone there come out. He does a good job of getting those hands on guys, but not doing it in an intentional penalty way. Javaris Davis gets in the notes again for tight coverage on Kai Loxley for an incompletion. We'd hear from Javaris Davis later on in this podcast as well. And finally, Brissett fires one into Matt Collins, who posted up on a curl route right at the goal line. He's really been making his hay, Matt Collins has, in the red zone. Sort of this post-up, fade type of receiver that can do multiple things. Basically knows how to use that frame to get uh, separation space and make catches that are contested as well. And after this drill, we go back to the Indies. And I had talked about GA, Gerald Alexander, and the secondary working through rubs and passing off and different simulations for situations where you have to communicate effectively. And now they're working on picking up motion. And it's just, again, a well-oiled machine. Guys are not getting lost, evident by not getting yelled at or no repeated reps. It's just get in, do your job, get out, next guy up. It's fun to watch. Then we go back to the one-on-ones, and I thought the offensive line did really good work in the pass rush one-on-one drill. Jesse Davis had a great rep against Jason Strobridge, running him around the arc of the quarterback. Timon Paris shut down an upfield rush from Vince Beagle and then redirected him to keep him off the quarterback going back inside. And Timon Paris had a couple of good practices out there. He was a late addition to the roster, but he's getting some work at tackle. Cameron Tom, who I thought had a good day with some push in the ground game, he took big Benito Jones to the ground on a rep, a throw him out the club type of 
a rep, one of his best of camp so far. Durval, Kieres, Neto drew Adam Butler, a very tall order, and dropped the anchor to hold up in pass protection against him. Tyson Render scored a win for the defense finally, crossing the face of Larnell Coleman, and we know how long Coleman is, so Render, good work to get free of him. And then Michael Dieter, I thought, had the best rep of the entire drill. He actually got push, like backwards push on Raekwon Davis, which just doesn't happen, especially in a pass protection drill. He's done that a couple times this week, and I'm actually pretty excited to get a look at Dietz as we go along here with the pads and practice and the new preseason games. Then finally, Austin Jackson had a fantastic mirror rep on Brennan Scarlett, where he shut down his initial rush and then his counter move as well, just kind of played a wall in front of Brennan. But we would hear from Brennan Scarlett later on in this practice. Then we get into the run exclusive period, and man, it was a masterclass effort by the Dolphins' deep front, as well as McKinney and Bake, who we already touched on, but Zach Sealer was consistently standing guys up, and what a find he has been by this Dolphins team, and he'll be here for a while with the extension he got last year, but it was a great day for Zach Sealer. I wrote that Adam Butler showed his versatility. Now, we know about his ability to play fast and straight ahead and the explosive first that we've covered on the podcast so many times, but he's a hell of a two-gap defensive lineman as well. There was a rep where he worked, you know, when they flow away from you and you have to kind of work down the line and reset the line of scrimmage, he worked a solid two gaps across from where he started to greet Patrick Laird on a bend back run back into his gap. So good work from Adam Butler. And then John Jenkins had what I thought was his best day of training camp. He planted his flag inside and just would not get moved off the nose most of the time. There was also some instances where he came off his block in that first period for a run stuff. This one on Jared Dokes. He then later stacked up a block that Vince Beagle scraped off the outside to make a play as well. So Jenkins, a big day. And it wasn't just all frontline guys. Brandon Jones playing forward is like a missile. He comes from depth so well, completely wiped out this off-tackle run the Dolphins had. And speaking of Jenkins stacking things up, Christian Wilkins applied that drill and the team period I talked about, or the, the individual period, I should say, into the team period. They just couldn't get movement on him consistently throughout the day. Him, Sealer, and Jenkins were tough in that regard. What else we got here? We had another special teams period, and again, the effort is just so much fun to watch. They don't waste reps out there. It was a kickoff coverage drill where two blockers had to take on one man, and I wrote that Nate Hawley plays with his hair on fire, and you see that in these drills, but also on defense. He popped the pads a couple of times. Also noted Brandon Jones's work. He hits, he chases, he flies around. I tell you I tell you what, man, he's just a great football player. He's fun to watch. And then Sam Egwavon, who we'll hear from again in this practice later on, had very solid special teams work as he is wont to do. He squared up one block that completely stopped all momentum of the opposition, and Coach Crossman quite liked that himself. Back to the team drills, Adam Butler comes in for the first play and just blows through the line for a TFL for at least a three or four yard loss. And he popped the popped the running back and got up like, yep, that's that's what I do. And then Robert Hunt got the most consistent push in this period, I think, and in the entire day as a whole for the offensive line. He sprung Miles Gaskin for a nice run off his gap at one point in this drill. And again, it's all running play, so it's hard to get footing and get grounding when you don't really have the threat of the pass until finally we do get a pass. As Tua swings one out wide to Jalen Waddle who for sure made the first defender out in the flat miss. Then he takes off up the sideline for about 15 yards before the next defender finds him, and he makes another move. Now, I'm not going to forecast the simulation for whether it was a touchdown or a tackle, but I tend to think Waddle is tough to, to get down in that space. I mean, he did it all the time in Alabama, and he's been doing it here so far through the first week. I told you we'd hear from Brandon Scarlett again later in this podcast, 
and he's been doing it all week, but now with the pads on, the way he forces outside runs to either bubble or bend back to the teeth of the defense, man, that's a treat to watch. And speaking of Scarlett, let's go back to Bernardrick McKinney, who was asked post-practice about playing with Scarlett in Houston and now here in Miami. Uh, Brandon Scarlett, uh, he's a very intelligent guy, uh, very, very strong, um, very fundamental sound, uh, a great listener, great uh, guy on the field, off the field. Um, he's Like I said, he's very a very physical guy, so I love playing with uh, Scarlett. He brings juice. He, he brings me energy. Um, I mean, it's just a great, just a great group. Overall, just guys congratulating guys, no selfish guys uh, or whatever. So, And then he was asked a question after that, so that's why it ends off there. But we pick it back up with more team period. I had Jerome Baker in on a hit in the backfield for another stuff. Zach Sealer, the workman-like mentality he has, like I talked about with Adam Butler and Christian Wilkins, going down the line, coming off the block, and then tagging off on the tackle at the end. Just the way he, he gets his job done, it's almost like he expects it, which with the way he's played, I can see why. I had Solomon Kinley with a nice second-level block where he came off the line, got to the second level, and put a punishing block on a linebacker. Got a good look at Robert Jones today, the UDFA from Middle Tennessee State. He had a nice combo block on his last rep of that final period. And man, he is thick. He's got big, thick tree trunk legs, ankles, calves, all that you want in that position. Sam Egwavon got got back into the stat sheet here. He shot the gap, the A-gap rather, for a huge tackle for loss in these rundown periods. I mentioned Eric Rowe earlier in coverage. You pair that with his ability to come in and stick his face into the fan. He had a play where he got down in the muck and greeted Miles Gaskin right at the point where he fought off a block from a tight end. I didn't see the number on the tight end, but he fought off a block and got in there for a run stop. And then finally, Cravon LeBlanc on a pass play, one of the few ones of the day, gets a PBU on Jacoby Brissett. The ball pops up into the air, and Jamal Perry will see that one in his nightmares because he had a chance to catch it. He didn't. He goes down for the push-ups, but he's caught everything else in camp so far. The team period continues at the minus one yard line. Zach Sealer gets in, penetration, makes a stop at the line. A good job by Miles Gaskin to get out of his tackle, but he was in there again to make another play on the running back. He was he basically got a one-yard gain, which should have been probably a one-yard loss, which would have been a safety. So a good job by Sealer and Gaskin on that particular play. We get another pass play here where Tua finds Durham Smythe in the flat for a nine-yard gain, and Jerome Baker's speed, you saw it on this play. He got over there in a hurry to stop Smythe from getting the 10 yards for the first down, probably a gain of eight or nine on that play. But then the next play, two-yard line, this one, uh, Manuel Ogba gets around the outside for a safety. Brandon Scarlett and Jerome Baker were in on the play too, but Ogba won big time on that pass rush. Timon Paris, I talked about him earlier. I wrote down just getting some push. He's moving some guys off the line, off his side of the offensive line. And then later, Jacoby Brissett tries to jam one into tight coverage. This time, the ball deflects to Jamal Perry, who makes a diving interception to make up for the earlier one, but the refs ruled it incomplete. It would have gone to review on Sundays. I'd be curious to get a look at that because I thought he got under it and cradled that thing for the INT. And then Alan Hearns, I mentioned him uh, coming back up in the podcast. He went up for a 50-50 ball for a hell of a catch on a ball slightly underthrown, about 30 yards from Jacoby Brissett. But he went over the defensive back to make a great catch. And then Reed Sinet fires a slant to Kai Loxley for 10 yards. Again, still working from the minus two-yard line. And then throws another ball, this one to Kirk Merritt, who got behind the corner instantly by a solid three yards or so. And Sinet lofted one down the field, and Merritt had to lay out and made a diving catch for a 35-yard gain. The entire offense came over to celebrate with Kirk, and the fans loved it too. Kirk Merritt having a nice catch camp so far. We finish up with goal line. Christian Wilkins fires in for a TFL on Miles Gaskin, and then Javon Holland made one of my favorite plays of the day. You might recall 
Rashad Jones was such a phenom at closing down the strong side C gap, weak side C gap, coming off the edge, flattening and getting to the running back before he can get the yard to gain. Javon Holland wrapped around the edge the exact same way, made a big hit in the backfield and shut down that run short of the end zone on a play ran from the two-yard line where Wilkins and Butler had stacked things up as well. Holland had a good day in coverage and in the early portions of practice too. Nice day from the rookie. Brandon Jones and Clayton Fedulum team up this time for a run stuff, and this time it was Raekwon Davis who got up chirping. He took on a big double team to stack that thing up. Guys taking turns making plays. And before we get to our top performers and your questions, I want to go ahead and finish up with some audio from Albert Wilson, who we haven't heard much on this podcast, but he had another day of catches in the, in the one-on-one periods. He talked about developing chemistry with Tua Tungavailoa and doing it previously in the offseason. I think it's pretty good. We've these last two off seasons actually we've we've been gotten we got a lot of work in. When he first got here, before I opted out, we spent the whole off season together and this past off season. Um we didn't work at the same the same facility but we was we was close and we got a lot of work in. So I feel like the the chemistry just picked up picked up where it left off from the from the off season. And we'll go ahead and close it up on the audio from this podcast with Albert Wilson talking about the catchable ball thrown by Tua Tungavailoa. He has a he really nice catchable ball. It's, it's not too tough to catch. It's, it's not darting at you, so it's pretty much easy to grab and go. So I, I like it. So there you go. Grab and go. Get that thing. Get out of there. Get upfield. Make plays happen. Our top performers today, you might have a guess for who leads this list off. Bernardrick McKinney playing fast. Every single gap. Aggressive and physical tone setter out there. Big day for number 50. Robert Hunt had consistent push in the run game. I thought was the best offensive lineman today. Miles Gaskin just maximizes his runs. Contributes in the passing game in the three-on-three period as well as special teams. He continues to look good out there and smooth and fast. Brennan Scarlett, strong edge in the run game. Creates chances and makes some stops of his own, but he's so adept at getting outside of that man, which shortens the edge and forces the back into a quick decision to do two things you don't want to do, which is bubble, go backwards, or go back inside to the teeth of the defense. Jalen Waddle, those routes he was putting together out there were something, plus the possibly long run after the catch on a simple swing route and the shake and pursuit drills, that gets him on the list today. John Jenkins, consistent against the run and more than just creating chances and keeping his backers clean, he was in there for lots of plays of his own right as well. Adam Butler, the big tackle for loss, the consistent penetration, working down the line, to stack things up, but also make plays of his own. Zach Sealer, there was one point where he won a rep and just kind of walked back with his head down with a quiet fist pump. And this was after he had made a few plays, you know, indicating to me that he was just like, yep, not going to happen today. I'm here today, boys. Brandon Jones, special teams and defense, the effort, the pursuit angles, the ability to come from depth. I like what he brings to the entire outfit. And Kirk Merritt, the big catch, was the big play offensively of the day. And he's just getting his name in here pretty much every single day. He's earned that right but also promotions up to the second team throughout the course of camp with Jacoby Brissett and that offense so Kirk Merritt Brandon Jones Zach Sealer Adam Butler Jalen Waddle Brennan Scarlett Miles Gaskin Robert Hunt and Bernardrick McKinney let's go ahead and finish up this podcast with two of your questions from the mailbag first one from Russell Grace at Russell Grace IR he asks I know it's hard to tell before the pads come on but how are things looking at center I watched that spot a lot more today because of the pads, and I thought Dieter had some really good moments, especially with his play strength, and that's something that kind of feels like it's been a thorn in the side of the Dolphins for decades now almost, doesn't it? Like something like Samson Satelli, for instance, going up against Vince Wilfork those days back in the mid to early 2000s, and the AFC East is loaded at defensive tackle now, so I think it's really important to have that. 
I also liked Cameron Tom's day today too. He's strong as hell. And then also Matt Skura, I think he's going to get better as we go along because he'll show you his best stuff in games because he's such a cerebrally sound player that passes off stunts and things like that and communicates. People forget this guy was just a couple of years ago playing at a very high level, Pro Bowl level with the Baltimore Ravens. And then one more here from Glenn Rushworth at GL Rush 13 has Tua shown the ability to look off defenders with his eyes. There are videos I there's you know there's videos I've used myself to show some of the work he's done in that regard. You might recall the Jakeem Grant bomb from OTAs where he starts right, flips his hips back to the post, comes back to the right outside to deliver a absolute dart to Jakeem where he moved the safety off that particular play. And then, of course, there was the throw on day one of camp to Adam Shaheen where he had to move Baker out of that passing lane, and there were a few others as well. But this was one of my favorite traits of Tua's coming out of college, and I think there were certainly instances of it last season and now this camp as well. All right, guys, that's going to be my time for this Tuesday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Wherever you get your podcast from, go ahead and leave us a rating. Leave us a review as well. Follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast. They just dropped a brand new episode with Raekwon Davis. Seth and OJ do a great job there. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. The latest camp notes is up on the website. Until next time, fins up.